Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hello, Rockbrook. Last night I wished one of the greeters, Dwayne, a happy birthday. And he was confused because it actually was his birthday the day before. So I want to say this weekend, happy birthday, Dwayne, to everybody. (laughs) I love you. I love this church. I love Rockbrook. If you're watching online or listening later this week, happy birthday to you. And uh, I'm so glad you could uh, join us for this. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, let's read this out loud together. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And for 2,000 years, the powers of hell have flung itself against the church and have not conquered it and will not conquer it. Jesus said, I will build my church. Uh, He did not say, I will build a nation, I'll build a government, I'll build a political party, I'll build a business. No, he says, I'm building a church. Jesus is interested in God's sons and daughters, his family, the church. The Bible tells us, that Christ loves the church and gave his life for it. Everything else is going to burn up. The only thing on planet earth that's going to last forever is God's family, the church. And it's the most successful human movement of all time. It's the largest group of people on the planet and that movement is going to, did you know that you're part of a movement that's going to live on for eternity? The reason we love the church is because Jesus does. You can't love Jesus without loving his bride, his body, his flock, his family. Christ died for the church. So don't ever say it's unimportant or uh, that it's unnecessary. The church is who is going to be in heaven. Now, it has all different kinds of labels on it, all different kinds of denominations and titles. And the labels are really irrelevant. The fact is that it's the people who are followers of Christ and part of his family. Now, when I say the word church, uh, some people think of a building. Now, a local church can have a building, but the church is not a building. You know, if this building were to be destroyed, we'd still be uh, the same church that we are. A church is not a location. Some people think, well, it's an event, a place that I attend, but the church is not something you attend. What, what I'd love to do is just pause on our birthday, and, and we do this personally in our lives, naturally, but I want to do it as a church today, is just pause and ask why. Why is there a church, and, and what is it? The why always determines how long. The why always determines how effective you will be. And so I want to look at what does the, like, let's not make up a definition. What does the New Testament say a church is? What does the Bible tell us a church is? And what's the definition? I'd encourage you to write these down if you're taking notes. The church is God's family on earth and in heaven. The church is not just on earth. Uh, Many people have have already uh, gone to heaven, but the church is both in heaven and on earth, and it's God's family. The church is not an event you attend. It has events, but it's the family that you belong to. Just like your family is not a dinner, your family is not a home, your family's not a house, 
It may have those things, but that doesn't define who and what your family is. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We need to learn how to live in this family that we have been adopted into. It says in 1 Timothy that this family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So anytime you're talking about the church, talking about God's family, there's no family of God outside the church. It's the same. Second thing, it's composed, the church is composed of saved and baptized believers. It's the people that have put their faith in trust in Jesus Christ and through baptism have identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. The people in God's family are saved and baptized. I hope you got that in. Let's look at this verse in Galatians. It says, so in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God. How? Through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Let me show you another verse uh, where Jesus says this. Whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved, but whoever refuses to believe will be condemned. Now some people look at that and go, okay, are you saying that uh, someone has to be baptized in order to be saved? that it's, it's essential for salvation. Uh, no, no water will save you. No work or checklist will save you. Friend, there's nothing you can do to be saved. As a pastor, people ask me, what, what could I do to be saved? And I tell them, friend, I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is nothing you can do. There is literally not one thing you could do to be saved. Christ has done the work. It's why Christ said it is finished on the cross. Christ saves you. You do not save yourself. You are saved by grace, and it is through faith. You just believe him. You believe it, and you put your faith in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you are saved, you want to be baptized. It's a, it would be a contradiction to say, well, I'm going to put all my faith in Christ, and I want to follow him but I'm not going to do the very first thing that he asks me to do. Baptism is like when someone stands up on their wedding and puts on a wedding ring and says the vow. and You're standing before them uh, uh, saying, identifying with an internal commitment that's happening. In baptism, you stand before uh, the church and you're identifying with Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's an outward symbol of an inward thing that's happened. So it doesn't make you a Christian, but notice it says anyone who believes and is baptized. Which comes first, the believing or the baptism? You believe, then you're baptized. I'll give you one more verse on this one, because this is from the day that the church began. This is from Pentecost when the church started and Peter preached, and now here's what happened. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Baptism's the, the doorway, the entryway to the church. So what is the church? It's God's family on earth and in heaven. It's composed of saved and baptized believers. And if you're taking notes number three, the church is committed to Jesus 
and each other. That's what it means to be a church member. You become a Christian by giving your life to Christ. You become part of the church by uh, giving yourself to a group of other people and saying, that's going to be my spiritual home. That's going to be the spiritual place, space uh, for my life, for the time that I'm, I'm in this area. In Romans 12, 4 through 5, it tells us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So your body has an eye, eyes, has feet, has arms, has many members. They don't all have the same function. They make up one body, though. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Did you realize that in this church family, I belong to you, and you belong to me? We belong to each other. Now, notice it has the word member here, that we are members. Sometimes you'll hear people say, uh, well, there's no such thing as church membership in the Bible. Uh, but the word member came from the Bible. That there, there was no word member until it was in the Bible. And the word is used about 100 times in the New Testament. There absolutely is membership. The whole concept of membership was about the church and the local church until other people picked it up and all of a sudden you can be a member of American Express where membership has its privileges or a member at Bass Pro and a member of a book club and a member of a million of other things we are all desperately trying to unsubscribe to, right? Like when you're checking out and they pull out the clipboard, it's like, oh no, not another thing. But the word member came from the Bible. And it's talking about being a member of a local body of Christ. And it's used in a very different way. It's not talking about secret handshakes and funny hats and passwords and emails and discounts. It's a physical parallel to the spiritual parallel. The body of Christ is the church. By myself, I am not the body of Christ. By myself, I am not the family of God. By yourself, you are not the family of God, the body of Christ. Only as we are connected together, as many members form one body, are we the body of Christ, are we God's church. So we're God's family on earth and in heaven, composed of saved, baptized believers, committed to Jesus and each other, and we are preparing for heaven or Christ's return. That's what the church is doing. So either Jesus comes back before I die. No amens on that one. <laughs> or I, 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 he doesn't come back before I die and I go to heaven first. Either way, we are preparing for eternity with him. I love how Pastor Will Chalicombe on our staff says it. At any moment, I could be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Either through death or rapture, at any moment, I will be standing with him. Hebrews 12, 23 through 24 says, You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones, in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God 
and his people. Notice in this verse, it says your names are written in heaven. One translation says your names are registered in heaven. You ought to be grateful for that. Uh, we love to be on the list. We love to be on the starting team. We love to be uh, the first cast or the lead role in a play. We love the invite. We love the A-list. Well, let me tell you, there's something better than being on the A-list. It's being in God's registered names in heaven. Hello, that's a big deal. It changes my life, my perspective, my outlook, when I know that my name is written in heaven. It is registered there. It's the most important invitation list you want to be a part of. How do you get on that list that verse said? You come to know God. You come to know Jesus. You've come to know God. You've come to know Jesus. That's who the church is. And with the rest of our time together, um, I want to keep digging into the New Testament about the church because the Bible gives 67 different metaphors for a church body. And I want to look at five of them uh, because each of them have benefits. There are benefits to belonging to the church. What are they? Uh, the, The Bible calls the church so many different things, but let's look at this. Number one, one we've been looking at already, is that in God's family, well, what's the benefit? It's that I learn who I am. Your primary identity does not come from what you do. It does not come from what you have done. It does not come from what you wear. Your primary identity comes from relationships. Me, I am a son. I am a brother. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a co-worker. These are my relationships in my life that define who Ryland Walter is. It's not how I look. It's not how little or how much money I have. It's not my accomplishments. It's my relationships. You're defined by your relationships. Now, if my relationships are bad or broken, my identity suffers. If I just got fired or lose my spouse or if something drastic changes in my relationships, it causes us to pause and go, well, who who am I? Because your primary identity comes from your relationships. That's why it's so crucial to have a relationship with Jesus. But now I, I know what some of you might think. Well, Rylan, that's terrible news for me because my family was dysfunctional or my family was broken or is broken or my relationships aren't very good or my relationships are non-existent. The Word of God has good news for you. In Ephesians, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We see the Trinity right there. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. The church is your family. You fit. You belong there. You belong here. Now, actually, uh, hear me out on this. Your spiritual family is even more important than your physical family. God used your physical family to bring you into the world so that you could become part of his spiritual family. And you should be grateful that your physical family got together, whatever the circumstances are, uh, doesn't matter, but God wanted you alive. And he wanted you alive so that you could be known by him. 
so that he could be your heavenly father and so that you could be part of his spiritual family. What, what, why is my spiritual family, the church, more important than my physical family? Because physical families don't last. They grow old. They die. People move away. Things get broken. There are all kinds of different things. It doesn't last. But God's family is going to last throughout eternity. And your spiritual family is going to be permanent. The world uses superficial identifiers. Uh, You have brown hair. You weigh such and such. Your height is this. Uh, The color of your skin is this. You're educated. You're rich. Your family comes from this area or this part of the world. This is your heritage. These are all superficial identifiers for you. And people today, when they don't know their identity in Christ, they look for their identity in something else. Well, I'm this or I'm that. And they begin to believe that that's the most important thing about them. They end up finding their identity in an earthly movement, in an earthly cause, in an earthly thing, a team that they root for, a celebrity they identify with, a political person. None of that matters. It's superficial. And what matters is most is your spiritual identity. I hear from many of you often uh, who come in and say, yes, we are out visiting family last weekend. It's so great to be back with our spiritual family. It's so great to be back with our small group. It's so great to be back uh, with, with these people, with our, the believers, our brothers and sisters. I see people caring for one another deeply all the time. We've had people become such deep friends in our church. They have cared for one another through the seasons of life, even some of the darkest, hardest seasons. If we continue reading in Ephesians 2, right along this next passage, it it begins another metaphor and another benefit of the church. And the second metaphor, and uh, give me a minute before I give you the fill-in on a couple of these here, but you won't miss it, is God's temple. God's temple. It's a temple. It's like a building erected to hold the presence of God. That God's presence now does not dwell in a building. It dwells in the church. It dwells in us. And so that's why it uses the temple here as a metaphor. You're the temple. We are the temple. Together we form the temple of God, the house of God. I remember when we were building this warehouse and how fascinating it was to look at the hundreds, the thousands of parts that it took to erect this building. Before we started meeting here, we met in all manner of places. We didn't have a building. And we met in park shelter houses, uh, the basement of a bank. We met in a school classroom, school cafeteria, school gymnasium. Uh, We met in a field. We met in, you had to be smart to go to Rockbrook because you had to figure out where we were that week. When the movie theater opened up, we started meeting in there. That was fun because we went down to the last, the last theater. Last theater on the right is our first service in there. We filled that up. And everything we owned was in a trailer. And it'd be fun. Is this the day we're going to pull up the trailer to a bigger theater? And we grew bigger theaters, went into the biggest one, added services there. Movie theater loved it because we'd clean the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
We'd clean up nacho cheese and junior mints and the nacho, few day old nacho cheese looks very curious. So God, God put a double portion of your blessing on the volunteers who clean that up. But we'd go in and we went, met in a hotel ballroom for a while. And, and this, is, this is why our church just has the DNA of serving. Like people don't complain about serving here. Because when we started, we'd go into a reception hall at 5.30 a.m., clean up beer and everything else from, from the night before, get the drunk guy in the corner of a room, and turn that thing into a church. But I remember when we were building this, I got to tell one more story. We met outside once. Well, we met outside several times. So this time it was really cold. We were doing baptisms outside. And we had a metal water tank, and the water was so cold. And Dan Sharp was brought his blowtorch and he was heating up the outside of the thing to heat up the water for Craig's baptism. Isn't that awesome? But I remember when we were building this warehouse and how fascinating it was that it took thousands of parts to erect the building. But the most important thing in the building is that the parts have to fit together. A beam that's one inch too short is worthless. A, a pipe that's a foot too long is worthless. The parts have to fit together or they lose their meaning, they lose their purpose. And to be strong and to be stable, everything has to connect. And that's what the metaphor of the church as a temple or a house is all about. Also, when you walk around a building that's being built, that's under construction, there's lots of spare stuff on the ground. Spare metal, insulation, tools. You can see a, a, a pipe lying on the ground, laying on the ground. It, it could be in the building, but it's not part of the building. Some of you are in the church. You come maybe every week to service, but you're not part of it because you haven't connected to it yet. You haven't made a commitment of membership. You're, you're in it, but you're not a part of it because you haven't connected to anybody else yet. Why did God use this metaphor as a building to illustrate the church? Because in a temple, in a building, in a house, the parts are connected and hold each other together. There's going to be many times in your life when you need other people to hold you together. You're going to need other people in your life to help you hold your marriage together, hold your life together. Friend, there have been times where some members in this church have helped me hold my life together when my, part of my life was falling apart. So write these down. And number two, in God's temple, I'm supported by others. Here's the point. In a building, a disconnected frame has no support and no stability. And it's going to collapse on its own. And if you're not connected, there'll be times in your life when you collapse because you have no stability and you have no support. Like a strong structure of a building, we hold each other up. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You were not meant to go through life all by yourself. You're meant to uh, be connected. You need to belong. My boys are currently discovering Legos. And you know what I discovered about Legos is they are made, they're built for connection. They don't make sense without connection. 
They have no purpose if they're not connected. When you connect them, you build some really fun, cool stuff. But when they're not connected, they're just a pile of plastic. They get in the way, you step on them. And it, raise your hand, please, if you have ever stepped on a Lego. Thank you, I see that hand. God bless you, I see that hand. Yes, I see you. God bless you, yes, I see you. It hurts. But when you connect them together, that's when it's something cool. That's when they have fulfilled their purpose. Now, in step one of the growth track that we'll have today, uh, this early afternoon, we have a membership covenant. And it's a promise, uh, not simply to God, but to each other, saying, I will love the members of this church. I will support them. I, I will help other members in this church. I'm not going to gossip about them. I'm going to be there uh, for them. The church is the antidote to the greatest epidemic in the world right now, which is loneliness. People are lost. They are lost without Christ. They are lost without the church. They are lost. They are spiritually blind without God. Some of you are students. Uh, you're in school. And I just want to say this to you because school can be a very lonely time. I think it's some of the hardest years of life. Uh, older generations have a tendency to look down on younger generations, like they're lazy or different things like that. But what I've found is the young people in our church are surrounded by people who are different from them every day. They're challenged in their beliefs every day. And some of the deepest, strongest faith in this church is in young people, is in students. And it's a time you can be surrounded by people but be very lonely and I want to tell you, this church is far from perfect, but it's filled with people who will love you if you get to know them. They won't look down on you. They don't think you're lazy or lost or purposeless. They love you. And if you'll lean in, they will help you. They will support you. They will encourage you. Number three, the third metaphor that we see in the Bible is that, and it'll be a second before I give you a fill-in on this one too, but it's Christ's body, body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 16. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. The Bible says we're all baptized into one body. Regardless of your background, uh, we've all received God's spirit. Says it doesn't matter your, your religious background, ethnic background, language background, racial background. None of that ultimately matters and is the most important thing about you anymore. It says you are a child of God. You have received God's spirit. You're part of the body of Christ. That's what puts us in the body. We're baptized into one body. So the body isn't made up of just one member. It's the members connected together. You're the body of Christ and you're a necessary part of it. Some people think, well, I'm not very necessary to the church. How wrong you are. If, if I don't use my gifts, you miss out. You get hurt. If you don't use your gifts, I, the rest of the church, misses out. We all have a different role to play. Uh, later in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. It says we are all many parts. We're all unique. What's the benefit? In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. 
Everybody's needed to make the body complete. And we are a body. Too often, the church is just a big mouth. And we've amputated the hands and the feet and the heart. I'm grateful to be part of a church that's not just known for what we say, but also known for what it does. There are so many things um, you don't even know that you can fulfill. Unique values you don't even know that you have until you try. Uh, We've had several small group leaders, one in particular I'm thinking of, who told me that years ago when they hosted their first small group, leading their first small group, they'd stepped out in faith. They were so nervous. She said, my knees were literally knocking together the whole time in that first small group. And she stuck with it. She stepped out in faith. And you know what? She's one of our, our greatest small group leaders today. Of course, that's the story of our whole church. Uh, we're not professionals at this, and serving and ministry. We just have a heart for the people. We love this church. We love this community. We love God. We want to follow Christ. And God has called us. We believe that if we step out in faith, he will equip us to minister. Number four, let me give you a fourth metaphor. The Bible calls the church God's flock. Now, what I'm talking about here is like a group of sheep uh, that have gathered together for safety. Psalm 100 tells us, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, that may not sound very uh, appealing to you uh, if you don't know how well sheep are cared for. Sheep are very dependent animals, and they're very well cared for. Now, in God's flock, what does that mean? What's the benefit? It it means I'm defended. I'm protected. It makes me more confident. Knowing that God, that Christ is my shepherd, it makes me less anxious. Knowing that the church is with me, the better connected you are in God's church, the less anxious you'll be because you realize you're not on your own. 1 Peter 5.2, this is talking to pastors and church leaders. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. What's the benefit of being part of the flock of God? I receive protection. When you're getting up in the, when you're getting beat up in the business world, you go, I'm not on my own here. When you're facing a personal crisis or illness, you know, I'm not, I'm not on my own. You need people to walk with you when others are walking off, walking out. When, when you hear wrong teaching and wrong ideas, you're not alone. The church is a great Group of people and place to be protected from wrong things in our culture and our world. Our world has dangerous ideas that negatively affect people. Wrong ideas about who God is, wrong ideas about religion, wrong ideas about faith, wrong ideas about drugs and alcohol, wrong ideas about changing the definition of marriage and family and gender, wrong ideas about the family, wrong ideas about entertainment, Wrong ideas about the Word of God. These ideas can damage a life. And the church, built around the truth, can protect you from derailing your life. That's why I so encourage you to take advantage of our amazing small groups, our amazing Celebrate Recovery, and experience another layer of support and guidance and recovery. 
you're not really going to feel like you are connected or part of the church unless you get to know some people. You know, every church is too big if you don't know anyone. A church of 12 people is way too big if you're not connected to anyone else. Size is just determined by uh, how connected you are. Do you know someone else? Does someone else know when you're not there? Let me give you this last metaphor, and that is that the Bible gives us that we are God's garden, and in God's garden, I become productive. The metaphor of the church or as a garden or vineyard is an organic metaphor that we grow, that we are fruitful, that we are working together. Now, in God's garden, if you haven't written this down right, I, my life becomes productive. When I'm connected in God's garden, all of a sudden I become fruitful. The Bible calls it being fruitful, being productive, bearing fruit. Everybody I've met wants to bear fruit, meaning they want their life to count. They want their life to make a difference. They want to make a contribution with their life. It's in God's garden where you become productive. Here's the key, though. You have to be connected. Jesus says this in John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The point is you'll never be as productive as God intended for you to be with your life if you're not connected to the vine. The church teaches us the real priorities and questions to ask. It teaches us the priorities to understand. And you're not going to be as productive if you're disconnected from the church. A branch cut off cannot bear fruit. But when you're connected to the vine, life-flowing energy flows through you. You know, in, in heaven, I imagine one day someone's going to come up to you and thank you and say, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without you. And you might say, well, I don't even know, I don't even know you. And they might say, no, 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 you don't know me, but you were part of Rockbrook back in 2021, and you prayed, and you served, and you got involved, and you were a member, and you got connected, and you were generous, and you sacrificed, and you gave it your best shot, and you invested your life in something that would outlast you. They may even tell you it was years after you died that that church reached me for Jesus and I'm in heaven because of you. Won't that be worth it? Someone's going to thank you for caring for them, setting out a chair for them, teaching them as a child, pointing the way, acts big and small. Nothing else is as important as the gospel of Jesus and his church. Nothing else is going to last. Scripture says glory to God in the church. It's going to out, the church is going to outlast your business. God's family is going to outlast your hobby, your sports. It's going to outlast your own family. Nothing is more important than building the family of God, bringing people to Christ, building them to maturity, helping them to discover their gifts, sending them out in ministry to make an impact in the world. Nothing is as important as helping people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in Jesus' name. And I'll, I'll never apologize for asking you to love, to serve, to give, and to grow the church. 
I, I want to close by talking to two different groups today. To some of you, you've uh, been coming to Rockbrook for maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe even years. You've attended, but you've never stepped across the line to become a member or to give back in a way. And maybe um, you've never gotten connected or you've never gotten baptized. You're not just welcome here. And, and, and if you need more time to continue to do that, please do that. And this is a completely wonderful place for you to do that. But I want you to know that you're not only welcome, you are wanted. And you belong, you fit, and we'll help you. So what do you do? Take, take step one with me today. The membership class that hundreds have taken. Get baptized in a couple weeks when we're offering baptisms. And join us for the next leg of the journey. The other group I want to talk to is those of you who have been here, members uh, with me here for years, and I want to say thank you. Thank you. I, I do not know how to fully express the difference you are making in individual lives and into the family of God. And my challenge to you as we start, as we begin our 25th year, is to fall in love again with what Christ is building, to rediscover Rockbrook, rediscover the hope of the world and rediscover serving and giving back and sacrificing for Christ Jesus. The church is the hope of the world. There is no politics that can save the world. There is no business that can save the world. There is no law that will be passed that will save the world. For God so loves the world that he sent his one and only son. And his son, Jesus Christ, said, I will build my church, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice. God, I ask you to bless them. Bless their past, their present, their future. Bless their bodies. Bless their minds with creativity. Bless their physical health. Bless their finances, bless their relationships where there's conflict. Bring peace, Lord. God, we look forward to this new year together with great enthusiasm, knowing that you're going to use ordinary people in extraordinary ways, uh, just as you have done. You didn't bring us this far to stop. And God, we just gather together today to say we're all in. Lord, I... I do not even know how to say thank you to you for the honor of pastoring this church and these amazing people. And I just trust you and ask you uh, to help me and the pastors and the staff leaders and our small group leaders and ministry leaders and the dream team to hold fast to your word God, we want to make it to the finish line. And we need you, Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get to know him first. You need to be saved. Uh, you need to say, Jesus Christ, I do believe in you. I want to follow you. I want to learn to trust you. I accept your forgiveness that flows from the cross, that flows from the empty tomb. You don't have to understand it all even yet. Just say, yes, Lord. Say yes to God. I want to know you. I want to learn to love you. Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. 
Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.